Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So on Monday, we went way out west as Billy the Kid and his young guns did the right thing. And today, we've got more good guy outlaws, but we're staying closer to home with a quick trip across the channel for 1993's The Three Musketeers. You're under arrest. Five of them, three of us. Hardly seems fair. Maybe we should give him a chance to surrender. Excuse me, but there's four of us. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Hello. Nice to meet you again. Pleasure. Now, we are prepared to resist you. Walt Disney Pictures presents the story of the greatest heroes who ever lived. Ah! Long live the Musketeers! We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. My sister's honour will not wait a moment longer. <laughs> I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vic Crompton. And that's your lot. Just me, V and V this week. No tea. But as I said on Monday, Tilly Tots... I'm just going to stick. As I said on Monday, Tilly Tots, Chris Tilly's fan base, Tilly Tots, Chris Tilly's fan base. Chris will be back next week. How are you, Victoria? Really well. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, this is the bit where Chris normally does a review. Yes. I thought I'd do it. Of course. Yeah. I'm glad you did, because no, I haven't. I didn't think you would have done. Uh, so, uh, like uh, I say every week, uh, obviously, we'd love you to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And if you can, if you leave us a rating or review, it'd be massively useful. And if you leave us a review, it might be read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly. But he's not here. So, in his absence, I'll read one today. Uh, this is from Anonymous. <laughs> right. I love this pod because of Alex. He is the best <laughs> of the three. Five stars. <laughs> Wow. Thank you. Thanks, Pam. Alex's mom. <laughs> uh, not really. Uh, that isn't the review. I've got to get the review up on my phone. I don't know how. You can't cut and paste from Apple Podcasts. So where the reviews are, right. I couldn't put it on my paper script. 
So I'm having to look it up right now on my phone. Can you tell I'm filling? Yes, no, don't help me, Victoria. Sorry, I'm just astonished. This is so professional. Here we go. Uh, so this is from <clears throat> King Zachary 13. This is my go-to podcast and definitely worth a listen. The concept of two movies with something in common going head-to-head to see which is better is so delightfully simple, yet excellently executed. Alex, Vicky and Chris are all great and make for a thoroughly entertaining trio, even if the discussion sometimes gets a bit spicy, <laughs> like a curry. Like Tim Curry. And that is your obligatory <laughs> Tim Curry mention. That's the perfect review. Right, for this it's week. so nice. That was so nice and thorough. Mm. And we are pleased with the concept. <laughs> and we are. Sometimes I can't believe we thought of it. But it is a good concept, isn't it? It's a great concept. Sometimes, yeah. I can't Sometimes we got I it right. thought of it, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, now, also, very quickly, before we get into this, uh, we have a live show coming up. Are you excited, by the way? I forgot to ask you on Monday. Yeah, I am. About the live show? The live show? Yeah, I'm really excited. I love that bar. Mm-hmm. I think the bar's amazing. It's I love the bar. films. Um, it will be small and intimate and fun, mm-hmm. and I'm not nervous like, like mm-hmm. I was the other time. How small it is uh, depends on you buying tickets That's to come so and true, see yeah. us. We're happy to do it. <laughs> we, we are going to do it anyway, regardless <laughs> yeah. if, if there's no one there. Because there's themed cocktails, mm. so we would be there anyway. And also, uh, uh, an older woman fell over on the street uh, last time you were there. I got trapped on a crossing and, and you rescued her, so she could be there. She might be there. She owes me a fiver, actually. So <laughs> Did she just take the Uber home then? I've put her in an Uber. I didn't. What do you, what do you mean? I thought you paid for the Uber. I did pay for the Uber, yeah. but if she turns up again, Again, and she looks well. She could give me five pounds, right? No, I know, but I think you were worried on the night because you said I put her in an Uber because she looked like she needs to go home. Yeah, but what she was a grift, like yeah, she what was if it was a yeah, yeah, what if she's punked. You know? <laughs> yeah, she's in Hertfordshire. <laughs> exactly. She promised me she lived around the corner. Uh, but she did live around the corner. She did, yes. Okay. It was £5.60. Uh, well, we'll be there. Uh, this woman might be there. It's all <laughs> happening on the 11th of November at the Loading Bar. Like Vicky said, a very fun bar in Stoke, Newington, London, here in London. And because it's our first show in an actual bar, what better clash pairing to do than Tom Cruise in cocktail versus Coyote Ugly themed cocktails on the menu, dressing up for some, me included. All details and the possibility of you buying a ticket is happening at eventbrite.co.uk event b-r-i-t-e.co.uk search clash of the titles and we hope to see you there so back to this week chris's choices young guns versus the three musketeers and you really wanted this one of the pair didn't you oh yeah yeah am i allowed to say what no you say we'll do it in the the histories of this movie you can say them Uh, so on monday i took us for a ride across new mexico and today victoria is taking us to the city of lights so called <laughs> because it was the first city in europe to adopt widespread street lighting hmm? just because tilly's missing doesn't mean trivia is dead <laughs> v takes on a journey American Frenchman D'Artagnan is run out of town by Englishman Frenchman Girard, but he doesn't care because he's off to Paris to join the Musketeers, recently disbanded by British Frenchman Cardinal Richelieu as part of a coup to depose Irish Frenchman King Louis. Anyway, he eventually meets up with the only three American French Musketeers, not to get the memo, Moody Athos, Drinky Pathos, or Pathos, and Top Shagger. Porthos! Porthos, sorry. <laughs> Shit. Pathos makes more sense. Wait, let me just take the rest of my notes. <laughs> Fuck. Porthos, sorry. Right. Cool. And after a run-in with a woman so overpoweringly womanly, she doesn't even get a first name until she's nearly dead and is simply called Milady, the four musketeers are off to Paris to stop the king from being assassinated, which would install Richelieu as monarch, even though he hasn't got that bit of paper signed that he did really need signing 30 minutes ago, but not to worry, because the Fab Four have re-re-recruited 
all the other musketeers without even talking to them. Then the king and his terrible hair punch the cardinal into a dirty river, which totally kills him at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll get to the ending when we get to the ending. Let's yeah. not jump ahead. Let's not. Chris would be very proud of us right now. So I'll just get this done. I love this film. <laughs> Jeopardy, Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, um, you quite like it, but you quite like Young Guns. I did. I enjoyed Young Guns more than I thought I would, right. even though I thought I'd seen it before and loved it. Yeah. So there cool. we are. Well done. Uh, it was a family cinema trip to uh, Preston Warner Brothers Multiplex when I was a child. And I, when I was thinking about this, it's on a par for obvious reasons with Robin Hood in terms of good memory and affection, but also because it is the same film. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I mean, the start is unbelievable. Yeah. And there's like loads of Robin... I mean, obviously, two words, Michael Wincott. Oh, my yeah. God, my God. Four words, Tim Curry, Alan Rickman. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, I fucking love Michael Wincott. Uh, more words, Brian Adams. So yeah, yep, they're yeah, the yeah. same films. And Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart. Whoa, power combo. Yeah, our very own musical musketeers. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The three of them. I mean, there's a lot more. I, so I saw it when I was 12, 11 or 12, whatever. I think I've seen it one more time and I haven't seen it for years. There is a lot more falling into haystacks than I remember. Mm. But whatever. Love this film. No, you like it. You quite I, like, I quite it. like it, yeah. yeah. I um, like it. And you quite like Young Guns. Yeah, I did. Uh, I watched it on a te- uh, as a teenager on video. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I quite liked it. I quite like this film. Uh, I, I I did think I, I was trying to work it out. I think this is when I fell in love with Charlie Sheen because, like, before Tiger Blood, yeah. winning and you know porn star orgies and a, a lot of crack. I yeah. I used to answer the question when people go, "Who would play you in a movie of your life?" You're supposed to say you're. You're supposed to not say someone who's better. Look- no, wait. What are you supposed to say? You're supposed to give a funny answer. Yeah. You can't go Charlie Sheen. I did. You're supposed to ask me. Okay. Who would play you in a movie of your life? Peter King. Kathy Burke. What? Kathy Burke. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely thought- Kathy Burke. <laughs> yeah. Or if I was being serious, you're like, oh, Maxine Peake or something. But you, you, you give a funny answer. You're like, yeah, someone from Coronation Street, whatever, because right. it's funny. You don't say Charlie Sheen. I don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Julian Roberts or whatever would I right which would make no sense actually I wouldn't say that yeah I'm, yeah, try- okay. I'm actually looking at you now trying to work out who, who it- I look like yes I think I'm Catherine not- Deneuve Reese Witherspoon Reese Witherspoon Reese Witherspoon you could do Reese Witherspoon could do you do you think so she's probably good actually alright I'm having a bath wank <laughs> that's my impression of Reese Witherspoon doing you that's horrifying <laughs> haunting poor Reese Witherspoon <laughs> Fine. So I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that you weren't meant to just pick the coolest person no. in your mind. Uh, but I did. And it was always Charlie Sheen. I was a massive, massive Charlie Sheen fan. Yeah, I think we all were, weren't we? And I kind of was at the start of the whole like winning thing. And then a little bit, yeah. It was when he did the uh, Torpedoes of Truth tour. Mm. And he was like, I'm now a stand up. And it's like, well, there's quite a lot of skill in that. You can't just go on stage and go Being wrecked. Tiger Blood. <laughs> yeah. Tiger blood. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what about that tiger blood? What's the deal with tiger blood on planes? Because you know he walked out. Because like, he sold out venues because he was the biggest thing like in the news right then. Um, he sold out venues. And you know he walked on stage and he'd have gone tiger blood. And people were like, Rah, tiger blood. Rah. Yeah. And then five minutes later, he's like, tiger blood. <laughs> yeah. And it would have been really painful. Yeah. Really painful to see. Anyway, uh, I love Charlie Sheen. Great. I'm done. Okay, cool. Uh, don't know what Chris thinks. It's irrelevant. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk about the background to this film. Uh-huh. Uh, it's based on a novel. I don't know if you knew that, called The Three Musketeers 
by Alexandra Dumas. <laughs> have you read it? No. Have I read it? No. Chris, have you read it? Yes, I went to a posh school. Brilliant. Of course you read it. No, I've read the novelization of this film, probably, rather than the source material. Whatever. Um... <laughs> it's so true. It's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. There have been it's on the curriculum. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why I said that because we went to the rubbish schools, but we still had to read serious stuff. This yeah. just wasn't on. I've the read curriculum. the Crucible. Have you? We didn't do the Crucible. Well, mm. this is boring, isn't it? We did Lord of the Flies, like everyone. I know. No, I think everyone did Lord of the Flies. We did the Crucible. Is that yeah. Just As you, yeah, we did one book, and that was it. It was great. Was it? It's where I've got the uh, fear I took, of witches. <laughs> I took the phrase from Tituba in that where she says, "I don't truck with no devil," and I'm like, "Cool, I'm going to start using that." So like. When people go, do you want to go to the football? I'm like, I don't truck with no football. <laughs> Makes me feel both educated and very cool. And really current, I think, <laughs> as well. Um, a shout out for the younger listeners there. <laughs> anyway. I really fancied Abigail. And obviously she's just a, a person on a page. But I think because she's... Well, the writing's good, isn't it, idiots? <laughs> yeah, I know. But like she's like she's like the villain of the piece. She gets yeah. like, you know, propped or killed. But I was like, oh, I love her because she's a bit of a bitch. Sure. You know, you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, we do. So there have been uh, just because are we doing? Sorry, are we doing the, the Crucible? We should. <laughs> um, there've been lots of screen versions of this book if you're interested. So I've got a, a 1960, 1921, 1935, 1948, 1974. Have you seen any of those? Uh, yes, I've seen the Michael York one, which is where he plays Dogtanian and Oliver Reed. Yes, is... that's 1974, isn't it? The Richard that's Lester the one. one. Yeah. And there's a 2011, I believe it's a clock punk version. Oh, that's uh, by my favourite uh, yeah. director, Paul W.S. Anderson. That's the one. Uh, Event Horizon director. Event Horizon, that's a great film. Yeah. I watched this movie. I don't mind this movie. Okay. I think Freddie Fox makes a very good king uh, in yeah. this movie. Uh, obviously, I love Succession and Matthew McFadden is brilliant oh, I love it. I love him in, in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Luke Evans, big fan. Yeah. He's good. It's not a bad movie. It's a bit silly. Yeah. But it's quite watchable. Yeah, fine. I mean, I haven't seen any of them. This, this is my Three Musketeers. Okay. Uh, so now we're going to get technical, not technical. We're just going to get a bit in, a bit inside baseball for a second because I couldn't find any of the background apart from this very inside baseball stuff. So as I said on Monday, Young Guns was made by 20th Century Fox, where Joel Roth was chair, Roger Birnbaum was head of production. They mm. leave Fox, they get a big deal with Disney and they start Caravan Pictures to make 25 pictures, the first of which was The Three Musketeers. So basically, this version of Three Musketeers only exists because of Young Guns, because by the time Roth and Birnbaum did their deal with Disney, The Three Musketeers was already in development. Disney wanted to do it. They just wanted to do like a cool Three Musketeers. Like, why wouldn't you? Mm. Um, but they're not the only studio in town interested in making The Three Musketeers at that time. So there was a version with TriStar, which was in development at the exact same time. Johnny Depp was attached. Oh, is this because obviously <laughs> it was in the public domain? After a certain amount of time, a piece of literature goes into the public domain so anyone could make it. It was like when Guy Ritchie was doing Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Will Ferrell was doing Holmes and Watson, but in the end that got pushed back. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, not forever. So <laughs> yeah, there are people waiting for stuff to come out of copyright so that you can like pounce on it and be the first. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been out of copyright for a while, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's in the public domain. You can do with it what you want kind of thing. Um, so basically what you've got is a bit of a race in Hollywood and who's going to get there first. So Disney give it to Joe Roth because he has got this long legacy of attracting superstar talent. And in particular, obviously, because of Young Guns, he can get Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen and get them really quickly. So he signs them up super quick. Joel Roth said, that sent a message to the other studio that we were on the fast track to make the picture. They put out the announcement. The TriStar Musketeers 
was uncast apart from Johnny Depp being slightly attached, I think. So I don't think it was like an official thing. Mm. But anyway, they sort of like get the jump on everyone else. And then apparently Joe Roth, being ahead in this race, sent someone to Europe who went around all the period costume costumiers in mm. Europe and just like bought them up so that no one else could get a period costume <laughs> made in Europe. <laughs> and then afterwards, and then TriStar just gave up after that because it all seemed a bit uh, pointless. <laughs> So um, as it's this- really funny that stuff. Um, there's a great uh, book uh, called "The Greatest Sci-Fi Movies Never Made," uh, which talks about a similar thing. With uh, oh god, I can't remember the name of it. There was a movie called "The Outbreak" and "Hot Something." Oh, I can't. I, it's in the book, but it's about them. These two studios competing and doing exactly that. It's fascinating when two studios really go at each other and neither backs down, and how yeah. far they get, and what is the final straw that makes one studio give up. Yeah. It is. It is interesting. Um, so because this is Musketeers as like a buddy movie, the casting is key. So just a few of the names that were mentioned. So for D'Artagnan, apparently Stephen Dorff turned it down. Apparently Brad Pitt turned it down. Um, Chris O'Donnell, to me, definitely 100% worked for me when I was 12. But now, and it, it, it's perfect for a Disney film, but it seemed like a bit of an odd casting because he just didn't like scent of a woman and it didn't. He didn't seem super Disney, but he's got the right looks for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's Yeah, he's a, he's a Prince Charming. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Um, and I read about Gary Oldman being attached to it, so I'm going to assume, although I can't prove it, that he was in line for the cardinal role because that would kind of make sense, given that they then did ta- uh, cast Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. Um, Thos, thank you, not Pathos. <laughs> <laughs> Love this film. Pathos, Athos. It wouldn't work. Pa- no, yeah. But then Pathos because the drinking and the... Mm. I've, I've read too much into it. Yeah, you have. I'm it's giving notes definitely to Alexandra Duma, basically, mm. which is... And also it's Athos. Athos, yeah, not yeah. Athos. Mm. Athos, Porthos, Aramis. Perfect. So anyway... Aramis was always my favourite in the cartoon Dog Tanyan and the Musker Hounds. He was the most attractive dog. <laughs> he had the long snout like Simon has. That's why I think I picked Simon subliminally. Because he looks a little bit like Aramis, although I think Aramis was a King Charles Spaniel or something. No, no, the the king have... was. Yes, that's right. Yeah, Aramis was some kind of long snouted dog. I don't with... really remember. I remember I watched Dog Tanyon every day, mm. and they, there was a movie that came out really recently, and I tried to make my children go and see it, and they were like, "That looks rubbish." I was like, "You're idiots," because it will obviously be brilliant. Was it? Did you go? See I it? know I didn't. I didn't make them go and see it. They went to see Paw Patrol instead. It was stupid. Paw Patrol. Do you not know what Paw Patrol? God, save yourself the pain. Oh, really? Please, please, okay. let's not get into that. This is um, Michael McIntyre territory. Let's not, <laughs> let's not go there. Um, interesting fact: Oliver Platt was also attached to the TriStar version as Porthos. There you go. Wow. Alleged. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, just because we haven't mentioned the writer and director, let's mention the writer and director because mm. it feels weird not to. So, written by David Lowry from Star Trek Five: Big Tick, Passenger yep. Fifty Seven. Yes. Yep. And he's got an uncredited rewrite on The Good Son, which I do like. Mm. Um, Money Train as well. That oh, was yeah. one of his. Lakeview Terrace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fine. Absolutely. He's great. Yeah. Fun writer. And it was directed by Stephen Herrick, who is basically now... Uh, I didn't read... Because a lot of you know, some of the stuff... Like, if I've loved something when I was younger... I've never really looked into like who directed it because I was twelve when I saw it. And I was like, it's just a person that did it. Mm. So doing this podcast makes me like reassess who's done what. And like, you know, it turns out Stephen Herrick might be like one of my favorite people in the world. Because- he had a great run yeah. in the eighties yeah. and early nineties. So Critters, fine. Yep. The Mighty Ducks. Oh, I love that film. Mm. Bill I and love- Ted's excellent. Bill adventure. and Ted's, yes. Mm. Uh, don't tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Fine. Mm. But this, love this. Um, and Winona Ryder was mentioned as Milady, but instead we have Rebecca De Mornay. Mm. And then a budget of thirty million. It made fifty-four. That is not a mega smash. No, and that's probably why we didn't get a sequel. 
even though I was going to tell you before we started, I always thought there was a sequel to this, but obviously there's a sequel to the Michael York, uh, Oliver Reed version, The Four Musketeers. Uh, So I think I just assumed that this one had one too, but I was considering me shocked. (laughs) Considering me shocked when I found out there was no sequel. Uh, And that's it. Uh, I'll... I'll just throw this in. This um, got a rotten 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? Mm, this is not a critic fave. Neither was Young Guns, although that's got a slightly more respectable 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. So as far as RT is concerned, if you're in a rush, <laughs> uh, then Young Guns is the better film. Well, that, that you're trying to reintroduce some Jeopardy back into proceedings. Just that's good. Now, I was. Oh, so we, we cut that out. <laughs> I don't know. Crack on. All right, fine. Let's crack on. So here is D'Artagnan. He's not French. He's not even trying to be French. He is so glowingly US Disney. <laughs> like, but would you? Could you have accepted? I mean, thank God, everyone. Someone went. Just bother. Just yeah. do whatever accent you have. Definitely. Because uh, although no. that's not true, though, is it? Because later on, well, we'll get to Athos. I'm saying that right, aren't I? Mm. It, that's not what Kiefer Sutherland sounds like, I don't think. So, but I don't think everyone's doing. Not everyone's got that memo kind I of thing. That sounds exactly like Kiefer Sutherland. I think it? he's trying to be. He's trying to be like a like, bit of a baddie, so he's trying to be British. I think. Okay. Anyway. Right. Anyway. Um, it doesn't start like that though. It starts with uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where Alan Rickman visits the witch, uh, but it's just Tim Curry on a boat with Guy of Gisborne going to visit his secret underground prison, (laughs) which is like, I was literally like, this is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, entirely. How weird. And then it sort of starts and you're like, there was really no point to that scene other than to go, Remember Robin Hood? Tim Curry's a villain and this is a bit like Robin Hood. Have fun, kids. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Which worked for me. Yeah, totally. I I love it. I'm just like, what a pointless prologue. Yeah. Um, so Withnell's mate is chasing him out of town, but D'Artagnan's dad was a disgraced musketeer, so he's off to Paris to follow in his father's footsteps, apart from the disgrace part. Yeah. Um, we got a good horse chase. I did laugh where Withnell's mate lands on his ass. But this is the thing. This is the best bit. So Paul McGann, uh, earlier in this chase, can't even get on his horse. Can't even fucking do it. Later on, riding it standing up. So are you good at horsemanship or not? <laughs> yeah. It's inconsistent. Anyway. The horse stops and he falls on his ass. It's really funny. It did make me laugh. Even now as an adult, I remember thinking it was probably the best thing I'd ever seen where yes. Chris O'Donnell like jumps off the horse, runs across and gets back on the horse. I was like, that's fucking amazing. And it is actually a really good stunt yeah. as well. This is the thing. I, I, I'd forgotten how much for kids it is until I watched it again in the week. And I, it's a bit of a shock because when you're 12, you're like, this is really grown up. Mm. And you watch it now, you're like, this is blatantly for children. Mm. Um, but it, it didn't stop me from enjoying it. Charlie Sheen does get top billing in this though. Even Does though, he? obviously, Chris O'Donnell is Doc Tanyon. Yeah, but he was new, so... Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, he is the lead, but Charlie Sheen gets top billing. And I was like, I wonder why. And it's because he's only in it as much as, say, Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, and obviously, he wouldn't get top billing. But it's because he just... Hot Shots had just come out. Yeah. And obviously, I didn't realise... I mean, I knew that was a hit, but it was a massive hit. It was like $150 million or something on a tiny budget. Mm. And you're like, okay, so Charlie Sheen was hot shit again. Yeah. Yes. Um... So D'Artagnan is on the way to Paris. He meets an actual French person, which is great, um, called Constance, who's Julie Delpy. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, she's French. Yeah. So that's good. Um, she is, although she's very weird. She goes, thank you for the entertainment. And you're like, what entertainment? The fact that he just beat the shit out of two men. Yeah. That's entertainment for you. You're weird. <laughs> two men, don't they work for her as well? They work for her. And then they're bodyguards to the queen, who she is with. <laughs> and then they just ride off and leave the men like prostrate on the ground. Yeah, and now they've got no protection. Exactly. Yeah, I hadn't thought Some of that. Some strange decisions made. By the only French person. 
<laughs> so there are no musketeers because they've been disbanded, disbanded apart from three. And D'Artagnan will meet them in a sort of, which again, when I was 12, was hilarious, a sort of let's meet behind the bike sheds for a fight at break time kind of thing. I love this conceit. Yeah. This is whole idea of like one o'clock, two o'clock. It's great. Hilarious. Firing, firing all the musketeers on the same day. I still liked it this time. So then we meet... Okay, why can't I do it? Is Athos, Athos, just help me out. <laughs> I have <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> it's Athos, Athos, and Porthos, like Athens. Yeah. All right. So we meet Athos. Mm. I do think he's got a sort of English accent. It's pronounced Athens. <laughs> I thought you were being serious then. Ath- Athos, <laughs> he's the moody one. Porthos, the bon vivant. Um, I will say, when I was little, it was Oliver Platt. I loved the most. I thought he was absolutely hilarious. Uh, yeah, he's very, very, very good in this. Yeah. And very funny with good, not great gags. And he rings every single yes. laugh out of them. Yeah. Um, Charlie Sheen for me, because I was like, Aramis has always been my favourite. Because so, I, you know, I well, fancy myself as a poet. <laughs> Do you? Well, I think I did at the time, maybe. Oh, no. Well, sort of because he's sort of slightly more cultured, whereas the others are drinking and fighting. He's a little he's more. He's using the Bible to get laid. She comes on to him. <laughs> he does, I don't know. I think he's working a bit of a con there, if I'm honest. <laughs> like, I will teach you Bible studies. I will shag you. He looks very shocked. But your husband? <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a rehearsed look. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, so he's a holy man using the talk of sin to get the ladies going. Mm. Um, actually, let's have a short break before we um, dive into Act 2. Okay. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Abroad in Japan is the Stack Podcast that brings you a taste of life in Japan. Recently, Chris Broad was joined by NHK contributor and legendary video game streamer Pete for a chat about his life as a TEFL teacher. I one time taught a woman who was still pregnant and I had to teach her stomach. What? Yes. And so. Wait, wait, what? She came in seven months pregnant <laughs> and, and they were like, no, she wants you to just to talk to her stomach. So I was sitting there giving instruction. Very specific. No. She held her tummy and she said, I think he's getting it. And I thought, oh, oh dear God. Just bizarre. Search Abroad in Japan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. New episodes every Wednesday and Sunday. I need to get better at that. So take some tips from you. But then you're a professional TV presenter, and I'm not, so... Fine. I thought you did really well. <laughs> are you lying? <laughs> no. You are lying. It's okay. You don't have to. I know where I can improve. It's fine. Uh, right, where are we? So after, so the Musketeers, they're going to kill D'Artagnan, but then they don't. They put aside their differences to beat the Cardinal, who is played by the superlative Tim Curry, and Rochefort, which is not a cheese, actually, Porthos, you moron, but played by the absolutely incredible Michael Wincott. I cannot love that man more <laughs> than I do. He's so good. I mean, granted, it's Guy of Gisborne, yeah. but he is very good at being that guy. Yeah. I got really fascinated because you know I mean I share your love for Michael Wincott I'll oh, do you, you well, even in The Crow he never voted for The Crow even though it's amazing in The Crow one of the best films ever made yeah he is the best thing in a long music video <laughs> so he's really good in Alien Resurrection yeah another terrible film but <laughs> he is fantastic in that and I've told you that movie is ruined for me that both him and Dan Hedaya die in the first 20 minutes yeah. spoiler um, because he <laughs> like you're like you can't have him in this movie. Mm. Like, to take both the two best character actors out of this film and you're left with, who, please? Yeah. Tell me, Winona Ryder? That's not enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not. Um, but yeah, I looked up. He is in. Do you know he's got a movie coming out next year? No. Jordan Peele's new horror movie. Amazing. Nope. Uh, starring Michael Wincott. I obviously, look, I just looked it up, so I don't know how big his role is in it, but that's still pretty cool. That makes me very excited. Mm. Yeah, I could say, I, I just, he just, he's so in the early 90s for me, and I haven't really kept up with him, so I'd be very excited to see. You haven't kept up with anything. He's not made a lot recently no, I know. of note, but. Um, I think it's testament. I mean, of I know. Of scale, I, sorry, that's yeah. better. Not of note, of scale. I think it's, I mean, I'm hugely biased, but you can do Guy of Gisborne and then you do it again. You know, your death is very similar. It's just the same part. Mm. And you, no one minds. You're not like, oh, come on, Michael yeah. Wincott, just show us something else. If anything, it's like greatest hits. It's like, put <laughs> yeah. that back on. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so D'Artagnan, the freaking amateur, is captured pretty quickly by Rochefort. And he's very cocky considering. So he's in the, is it the Bastille or is it just a, this sort of uh, secret prison? I think it's the Bastille. So this is after the first big fight yeah. uh, that they have with all of the Cardinal's guards, right? Yes. How about some of Oliver Platt's dialogue in this scene? This is possibly my favourite line in the movie. Go on. We'll come back to it. It's when the captain of the guards uh, turns up. And first of all, <laughs> uh, there's the line, only a fool would try and arrest us twice in one day. I'm here to arrest you. Good. Yep, good. Funny. But the best line is where the captain of the guards goes, are you coming peacefully or do you intend to resist? And Oliver Platt goes, oh, don't be so stupid. Of course we intend to resist. Just give us a minute, all right? Yeah. Love that. Rolling in the aisles when I was younger. But you see, I just read it and I'm like, actually, that doesn't sound as funny. That's how good he is, that's that he true. rings everything out of this script. Yeah, on the page, that's not cracking anybody mm. up. No, he's so good. 
his best line is the about the red wine. Oh, that's really funny. In the carriage chase later, I can't remember. Where oh it comes. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Where Kiefer uh, he brings up the chase. He goes champagne. Yeah. And Kiefer says we are in the middle of a chase. And he goes, you're right. Something red. <laughs> Which I wouldn't have understood <laughs> when I was 12. I would have gone, ha, 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 grown-up joke. But now that connects. Also, uh, this is how you cast Kiefer Sutherland as a uh, miserable drunk. Moody drunk, yeah. <laughs> and not like he was in Young Guns. This is a much better Kiefer Sutherland role. This is role. perfect. He's so much more fun in this yeah, movie. he's brilliant. Even though his character's not particularly fun, he's much more fun. Yeah, and his character's got some, made some odd decisions and he's a bit judgy. But, um, we'll come to that. Um... So yeah, one of it, it totally works for Chris O'Donnell and the character. It is a bit jarring to watch it as an adult because he's just a puppy, isn't he? Like he tells everyone his name straight away. Mm. So when he's he's like, "I'm D'Artagnan," it's like okay. And especially later, we'll come back to this. But when he meets Milady de Winter, he's like, "I'm D'Artagnan again," <laughs> and then he's like, "This is our plan, and our plan involves stopping you, Milady." It's like, come on, dude, like. Try a bit harder. Although here, when he's captured and he's put in the Bastille, I think it is the Bastille. I'm not sure. And Guy of Gisborne is like, what are you doing here? Tell me what's going on. Tell me where the musketeers are. Sorry, that's what he wants to find out. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. I refuse to tell you. He's like, I'll kill you, though. And he's like, I'm still not going to tell you. Which is fine. But then this exact same scene, beat for beat, happens seconds later because he goes, I'm going to go sneak off. I'm going to escape. Ah, oh, Cardinal Richelieu's got me. Uh, Cardinal Richelieu goes, tell me where the musketeers are. Yeah. He goes, no, never. never. No, <laughs> I've rehearsed this five <laughs> minutes ago. My answer is still no. I am certain. Yeah. Did I tell you my name was D'Artagnan? <laughs> I love the musketeers and I hate you. Yes. Uh, so, Milady de Winter. So, yeah, in the Bastille, uh, D'Artagnan witnesses this plot about a secret treaty with England on behalf of the Cardinal. <sighs> which will we- Oh, she's so good. She's very good. Mm. I mean, let me just say this, though. Um, I feel a bit like... I love her. You know that. I um, do. I feel a bit like she's playing a bit under par, as in... Because she's known very, you know, very famously for the hand that rocks the cradle and being like super evil, if she'd gone full tilt evil, it might have been too chilling for a Disney film. So I feel a, I feel like she's pulling back a little bit. No, it's because you got to feel sorry for her. Because you, oh, yeah. if she was full tilt evil, when she goes over that cliff, you're like, yep, good riddance. That's when in true. fact, you're like, ah, oh. when we get to that bit, I'll tell you, she doesn't make a lot of sense in her big last word speech. No, okay, that's fair enough. So here we've got another scene from Robin Hood where an execution is foiled because your rescuers are dressed as your executioners, which is lifted from Robin Hood. I mean, it's a very common thing, but, you know, to come two years after or three years after Robin Hood, it's a bit cheeky. Never mind. Did you like, uh, I thought her line with a flick of my wrist, I could change a religion. Yeah, I like it because it's like, oh, I get you're going to quiz balls off. Is that what she means? I thought it was. Oh so, no, it is. Of it is. <laughs> what, I'm so sorry. What fucking religion <laughs> is like? It's like Catholics. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing about religion. Nothing. But you know, there's no religion where they cut the balls off <laughs> you. They, I thought in some in some strand of Catholicism. This is really. I'm really inferring Catholics. Oh. I think Catholics get up to all sorts, right? Because I don't know anything about them. You might be right. In medieval times, I wonder if eunuchs was part of some. <laughs> Thing. Religion, probably, maybe. But so that's what I thought she meant. But now, of course, I see it now. Yeah. Obviously, she means circumcision. Circumcision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so obvious when you now that you've said it. Mm. I've been stewing on that for weeks. I mean, the movie did say it as well <laughs> yeah. in exactly the I same way. She was going to cut his bollocks off because he's sort of lusting after her, and the lust part 
this related to the testicles in some way. So she's like, back off, buddy. Yeah, I don't think, I think even if she circumcised him, it, it puts you off. <laughs> You're not immediately going to go, ah, it's just, it's just my foreskin that's been removed. I'm ready to go. Ah. <laughs> that doesn't so, stop yeah, wait, me. So, 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 I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. Oh, so yeah. actually, no, you're right. You didn't. <laughs> you win. I am not into it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it is definitely circumstantial. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's all right. Anyway, the gang are off to Calais. I don't, I don't like leaving Paris. I don't either. No, because also, especially because we go back again. It's like, if we're going to, I was sad to leave. And I was like, well, but if we're going to leave, we need to stay in Calais. I don't like going back. Or and forth. Cornwall, as I believe it actually was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can sort of tell a little bit. I mean, I know that it looks pretty similar, but. Uh, so, anyway, en route to stop Milady. What? Northern oh, France and Cornwall? Yeah, they I look guess. the same, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just sort of the way you, you went. I think you can tell it's Cornwall. I was like, I was. I was just like, well, just no, I meant no, no one, no, no people in berets riding bicycles. <laughs> I meant, <laughs> with stripy shirts I meant the countryside looks English, I think is what I meant. All right. I don't know what I meant. It doesn't matter. Okay. So anyway, en route, I do not enjoy this scene. And I didn't enjoy it when I was young, to be honest, where you've got Oliver Platt talking about wenching in this pub, like en route to Calais. Do you not like this scene? No, I don't like it. Oh, really? <laughs> now don't be like that. <laughs> I just knew you weren't going to like this scene. I don't like it. But why don't you like it? Well, because it goes on for a long time, is my principal complaint. And then it's about whether or not these these people, the women in the bar, as far as their wenches, the parlance of the time, but we would we would think of them as sex workers. They will be entranced by whatever you want them to be entranced by. This idea that it's like, is it action or is it words? It's like, it's such uh, peacocking, it's such bullshit. And it got, but it goes on forever. It's fine if it's like men being like, well, I can do this and I can do this. But it, it, it it's like we're expected to believe that this woman genuinely is impressed by either action or words. I don't know. I see it more as the Musketeers having fun with D'Artagnan and also showing each of their unique things. Yeah. So it's like a sort of, it's a test of three different things. So with Porthos, it's drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Aramis, it's obviously poetry. And then with Athos, Athos. it's drinking again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. But I don't mind it. I, You know, I, I can see why it's sort of a little bit like, yeah, it's just... Maybe they could meet. They could have met en route women who, in that society, would have had a bit more power. So you know, there'd be more spice in the scene if they weren't paid workers. Kind of. Thing. I mean, this got one of the biggest laughs for from me in the entire film. Uh, which... in, last week, or when you were twelve? No, this week. Okay. this week when I watched it, and um, it was uh, <laughs> Oliver Platt falls through the table and then says to Keeper Sutherland, "Can I have this dance?" And Keeper Sutherland. Fucking punches him out, out cold, and then just goes. <laughs> <laughs> it is just such a really funny pissed guy yeah. knocking someone out and finding himself <laughs> hilarious moment. Yeah, that's true. But the pub scene, uh, uh, sorry, tavern. What do the what do you have in French oh, in France? Oh, oh, wench hole. Wench, wench, <laughs> wench's hole. That's something else. Um. Anyway, he, burrow. A burrow. I don't know. <laughs> You threw it out there to me. I'm coming up with places. Oh, I tell you, while we're talking live. about fannies, you know, I lent you that book by William Kennedy called Roscoe, right? So I'm reading his other books. There's one, 
I think he got better as he went along. The book that you're reading is like the fifth in the series. So I'm reading the first one in the series. Okay. But my God, there's a character in it who's obsessed with this woman. And he just he's a playwright, which I always hate, like writers writing about writers. And he just says this whole list for this woman's vagina that he's obsessed with. And you're meant to be like, wow, what a poet. But you, I was just like, what? Like, What, what are some the, of the things? I can only remember one. Right. It's um, Isosceles Jungle. <laughs> 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 I shouldn't be laughing because he's like won the Pulitzer. But I was like, an Isosceles Jungle? What? Yeah, so there you go. That's a keeper. <laughs> That's a bad name. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are Isosceles Jungle. I'm definitely going to use it's that unbelievable. in a bedroom scenario. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me know if it works because I'd be very surprised. Wow. Anyway, so this is one of my favourite parts. Is it because of the shape? Because of the triangular of shape? Course, and yeah. then just replacing it with the, 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 the hair is the jungle. Yeah, because it's a period... <laughs> It's, an, it's, a, it's a novel set in the past. So they, <laughs> like a period piece. Yeah. Like a period piece. And I believe they weren't as into like trimming. Well, they're trimming fine, but not, you know, these days. Is it all right if I don't take any advice from you about the private areas of men or women based on the, with the flick of a wrist, I could change your religion comment earlier. So <laughs> it sort of seems like a, a, a grey area yeah, for you. A grey area. That's because <laughs> when I was reading about the... Isosceles jungle even though it's quite clear in the book what it is I was like what is that and then she gets it out and she says here is my isosceles jungle and I was like oh right yeah that's what you meant oh that's fine so she'd called it that already no well because this is a side but she's a character in the play so she knew that he wrote it about her the fact that he's won the Pulitzer yeah. and the fact that you lent me his book. Uh-huh. That book genuinely is amazing. Uh, sorry, not lent it for me. Bought it for me. Oh, it was a gift. Me, it was yeah. a gift. And I'm struggling to read it. So I bought a John Grisham novel to read instead. Did you see? Because I messaged, I was like, John Le Carre, because I try to think better of you all the time. Mm. And in, and I know that's snobby, but in the rankings, Le Carre is above Grisham. He just is. Yeah, it's it's just really easy to read. I know. Whereas Roscoe is it's quite difficult to I read. Know. I know you keep saying... Just bear with it because it's just, it's so dense and mm. there's so many names and I feel like I have to remember everything. Mm. So the fact that like John Grisham just goes, this, and then he him. this person's called Jenny and <laughs> Jenny said and Jenny did this and Jenny walked up here. I'm like, great. I Jenny's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny's also these jungle. He's never used that. Um, That's not what I want from Grisham. <laughs> you a, would be surprised. Yeah, you? I'm like, fair enough, John. So anyway, this scene, so the, the pub scene the um, in the Wenches Borough, this is where you find out the backstory between... <laughs> You're right, it doesn't work, by the way. Carry on. <laughs> Don't set me up. So this is the backstory between Athos and Milady. So she was his true love and he spurned her when he found out she was a murderer and she's got the fleur de lis on her shoulder blade. She was condemned to death and he's regretted it ever since and he walks this earth, he's a hollow man and he's scoured by regret. Those are my words. Um, when I was 12... <laughs> That this had such a big impression. Like it made such a huge impression. I thought it was so grown up. And I think it's perfect for a family film because it is quite saucy, but without it being explicit. Mm. And it's very romantic, but it's quite dark. And a 12-year-old me was like, wow, that's something. That's really something. I love this backstory. Yeah, I like this backstory as well. I mean, I immediately worked out, I think probably at 12, I'm like, I bet that's my lady. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a bit weird that... He sent her to death and he was a count, but she's also murdered her next husband, who was also a count. But this one she did for real. Yeah. So she has come through on being a murderer, even though she wasn't a murderer and it was a lie the first time. It's a little bit complicated. Yeah, it's not apparently it's not true to the book, which is why it probably doesn't make right, as much sense. Go. So she in the book, she just marries Athos to get his fortune. Oh, she's so she al- is bad. And she's already bad. Yeah, she's already got the fleur de lis. He hangs her from a tree mm. and leaves her for dead and she manages to escape. 
Ah, and in the cartoon, she's played by a cat and oh, everyone yeah. else is a dog, yeah. so cat's evil. She's a bad one. Mm. Um, so then we go back to Paris. And <laughs> Different references. But... <laughs> it works, it's fine. Um, Tim Curry feels at the Queen a little bit in this scene. So this, again, this Is works. this where she has her milky bath chat? She has her milky... Oh, yeesh! <laughs> Band name. <laughs> we are milky bath chat. Blech. I mean, I don't like milk, so this, it's I, not milk. I think it's just cloudy water. It, yeah, it's some sort of unctuant. Well, it's, it wasn't the French; it was the Egyptians that bathed in, in ass milk. Yeah, I just, I, I would never. Sorry, ass's milk. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Pay attention. Anyway. This scene, so he feels up the Queen and he has gone into her private chambers and she's having a milky bath thing. <laughs> He's trying to go into her private chambers. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> but it wasn't threatening to me as a child and to me now, which I think is down to... Tim Curry. Tim Curry, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, the act itself is quite threatening to walk into someone's bathroom. Um, but He's, I mean, like Oliver Platt, uh, it's amazing what Tim Curry rings from this script um, yeah. because Oliver Platt rings a lot from jokes... Tim Curry's dialogue, and I started listening to it, it, there's very few jokes, and yet almost every line he says is done in a funny way. Yes. Which is. is even more, I think, impressive than Oliver Platt, because like he's it's just like the way he plays it. I remember watching this as a kid and thinking he was fantastic. Me too. And still I still do. Mm. Um so then you know, we we put a clock on act three, we're sort of tying events to the king's birthday. You know, this thing has to happen by then for this reason. It's it doesn't matter, but We've got a clock on the event, so there we go. What do you think of the king's haircut? Oh, it's it's difficult. It's I mean, is it authentic? I don't know. I don't know enough about French history or culture at that time. It feels to me when I was twelve, I was like, of course, because you're called King Louis. You when you think of King Louis, you think of that hair. But is that cause of this film? I mean, when you look at it now, it's batshit that he's got that hair. Yeah. Because also because he's got this sort of bubbling romance with his queen which is lovely but because he's got that hair you're just like oh yeah you wouldn't though would you like you wouldn't ever go near him so there are some nice moments little moments that work really well uh, which is like when he starts shouting at Richelieu for the first time yeah. and she smiles and she's yeah. like mm, he's sticking up for me there's my king I can see past the hair yeah he doesn't look this is so we're such a product of our upbringing it's so pathetic in some ways he doesn't look like a powerful man because of the hair mm. and you want your king to look like a powerful man and obviously in reality a lot of kings w- wouldn't have looked like they were pampered and they were children yeah, and they were all you know yeah, kids they were actual kids so they, they didn't become king by being powerful they became king by being born at the right time mm. so it's a falsehood and, and but... to the right people yeah, yeah, yeah. not just being born <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> you're king <laughs> yeah. so that's yeah that's what I think about the hair that was a there's a lot to unpack there actually um Sorry about that. So more than I thought, but I enjoyed it. Really. So D'Artagnan is captured again. The idiot, they're just passing out <laughs> on the floor. But this time it's by my lady, and she offers him booze and she offers him sex. But that's not good enough for him. So he just tells her everything and spurns the booze and the sex. The moron. Um, Be- also because he was going to get stabbed. Yeah. 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 This is a turn off. <laughs> well, as you've established, uh, if you yeah, it put, it can put you yeah, off. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So now here we are. So the Musketeers, they're in Calais. You can't imagine. Yeah, I can. (laughs) So the thing is, they're in Calais and they do kill a lot of people. So they kill a lot of people on that boat, don't they? They're not innocent, but they're not directly, you know, they're not, we don't know them as baddies. They're just people on a boat. Mm. So they do kill them. So that makes it hard later for my favourite storyline that's running through this thread between Athos and Milady, where he's like, 
but you've murdered people, babe, so you've got to go. But me, no, when I do it, it's different. There's a really good moment on this boat, which makes me think that David Lowry, who wrote the script, is very good because he set this up and it's so incidental. Like early on, Porthos goes, yeah, it was given to me by the Queen of America. Yep. And D'Artagnan's like, oh, there's a fucking Queen of America. Shut the fuck up, mate. And then later on, he goes, it was given to me by the uh, Zahina of Tokyo. Fun fact, Tokyo didn't exist then. Right. So it seems like they're all lies and it seems like Porthos is a liar. Yeah. And then when he gets on the boat, it's the rule of three because those yes. people go, it's Porthos the pirate. And it's sort of like, oh, he is actually sort of like... A liar, but telling the truth. But yeah. like he is kind of famous, and like it is all guff, but it's also true. Yeah. I like that. It's I a like good, yeah. it's a really long rule of three, but it works. But fine, and it's good writing because it's just something you go through the script again and again, and you're like, oh, I've set this thing up. Let's just pay it off in a fun way. It's incidental to the plot, but it adds to the character. It's all good. What was where Tokyo was? So, well, Tokyo wasn't the capital of Japan. It was Edo because it didn't exist because of the time that it's set. You, okay. you know that. I've been to Japan. But Tokyo yeah, you didn't was establish its capital. Definitely there. Yeah, it's not that this space didn't exist. <laughs> right. It's just as a centre of power, it was Edo in whenever this is set, sixteen something something. Anyway, <laughs> sixteen something something. So uh, here we are. So finally, Milady meets Athos. And do you know how much I wanted to know when this was set? Just then, that would have been that would have been the icing on this show. What do you want me to if, tell you? I no, think no, no. <laughs> it's just the fact that you were like sixteen something. If I'd have been able to go forty-two, I think it's forty-five. Oh! <laughs> I think Chris, is it forty-five? Yeah. Uh, let me consult my notes. Stop it. We love him. I don't know why we feel like this. He's so important to the show as well. It's not like we're like, yeah, Chris is away. We can do what we want to do. Like, it's just it's just being naughty for the sake of it. Yep. Um. Anyway, so Milady then says to Athos, favourite line, I've become the nightmare you once thought me to be. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, he's also killed a shit ton of people. So, uh, you know. They are chasing him and they're bad guys in the movie. The Count married her. The person she's killed was like, I love you. She's like, Kill. Die. Mm. You, you might have been a bad one. I think you get the sense from her, although probably just projecting that he, you know, he, he he went too far and she killed him, kind of thing. No, she killed him because the cardinal wanted her to kill him. That's why he spared oh, yeah. her life. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, because he actually says that pretty much ad verbatim. Yeah, she's like so an he assassin. Wa- yeah. yeah, it wasn't that he went too far. It was that <laughs> the cardinal went, "I will spare your life if you kill your husband for political reasons." And oh, yeah, right. she goes, "Yeah, right. Yeah, no problem." Um, here's a little fun fact. So Athos, at this point, starts calling um, Milady de Winter by her name, which he, he calls her Sabine. Mm. She's not known as that in The Three Musketeers, the original novel, at all. It's what? not. She's got lots of different names, but she's not called Sabine, apparently, not once. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Very French, though. It is beautifully French. Uh, so she does then meet her end. She does, in quote marks, the right thing by jumping off a cliff. So, yeah, this is the bit I had a bit of a problem with. She actually says out loud um, before she gives up the information, he's like, you know, you do this. And she goes, what has this world ever done for me? Yeah. You've married two counts, love. <laughs> two. That is quite good. <laughs> it's not bad. You, it? you have been a countess twice over. <laughs> And murdered one of them. That's on you. So <laughs> quite a lot, actually. That's so It's funny that you, I never picked up on that at all. I was like, oh, the pain that you carry. <laughs> the stories we never got to hear. Mm. I just assumed she'd been quite wronged. Yeah, I don't know that she has. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the only person who wronged her is 
ethos or athos. <laughs> athos. And um, yeah, because he got rid of her because, you know, she was mistried as a murderer or okay. accused of a murder that she didn't commit. That bit is true. And so, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, she's a bit of a bullshitter, really. <laughs> so she deserves it. So off she no, goes. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no. but... Anyway, she's off. So now, am I I right? thought the brother of the count who she murdered would be pissed off that she had got to take her own life yeah. on her terms. But he he's probably like, was, wasn't he? He's like, no, because he goes, justice is served. Yeah, it's not. So he seems happy, but I think, you know, I, I mean, because... they set that scene up. It's like, it's like, Really, you're gonna behead her on a cliff? Yeah, why go? Why, why go all the way? Why do? Why are we doing outside? I suppose in at the time he would have been happy because if you took your own life, you didn't get to go to heaven, did you? So oh, of course. I, I suppose justice for him would be that kind of. I thing. don't know what the religion was largely in. I guess Catholicism, based guess. on how Cardinal Richelieu was dressed. Yeah, Catholicism. Yeah, yeah. And he's called a cardinal. I mean, I'm I'm reaching. I know fuck all about. It. It's embarrassing. I don't know anything. Is that your, is that your black spot then? Religion, yeah, it is. Yeah, I just don't know anything about it. Like, I don't know the right words, the right places. I understand the, the important festivals in a Christian society because it's the way that I was raised. Right. But the minute you're like father, reverend, vicar, don't know the difference between sure. those. If there is a difference, I mean, I was uh, I went to two Church of England, my primary school and my middle school were Church of England, so I know a bit about it. Like, you know, uh, you have to, um, you're allowed to have a peach uh, with the reverend, uh, but only in his back room. And right. uh, he has to feed it to you. That's uh, part of the harvest <laughs> festival, I believe. So that's totally normal. And... <laughs> oh, no. That's how they get you, though. Because you don't know anything about it. And they're like, this is normal. Take off your trousers. Why are you being like this? If you were a boy, you'd be a prime, prime target. <laughs> so, sorry, child. So we always You know do this. nothing about religion. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I know nothing. <laughs> Come this way. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really keen. And I want to be like SWAT and I want to know everything. Yeah, have this peach. <laughs> <laughs> Yuck. Anyway, so we go back to Paris. Now, you might find it weird that I've obsessed over this particular scene, but I did. And so I'm going to share that mm. on this podcast. So they go back to Paris and then along the way, the musketeers just hand out weapons in the towns along the way. And that gets the, the, the big band back together kind of thing. Mm. So I was obsessed with this because I think it's brilliant writing. Weirdly, it's such a tiny moment because it's super convenient that A, you've got all these weapons and that B, no one needs persuading. But in the in the rough and tumble of a script like this of a Disney family film, if you did write that scene, man, it's boring, isn't it? It's like, oh, um, Aramis, go to the towns and convince the townsfolk to take up arms kind of thing. You boring. Mean just firing the notes onto trees, one yeah. for all and all for one. Yeah. Like, it's, it's you know, if you first pass, you'd be like, that's lazy. Why do we not have the scene where you've got a bit of work to do to get the musketeers back together? All for one and one for all. It's different because I know it from the Dog Tanyon and the Muskerhound song, but I think in this is all for one and one for all, not one for all and all for no, one. No, I believe, yeah, you're right. It's all for one and one for all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know why it's not a good piece of writing? Why, go on. This is where I actually wrote down a bit of a problem here. Yeah. It's the fact that you have a scene at the start, where every single musketeer <laughs> burns their tunic yeah. and throws down their sword, and suddenly they're like, we're back! And it's like, well, I've got all my swords and tunics here that I didn't burn at That's the start true, in yeah. a specific scene where they were all burned. I'll just open this cupboard. There they are. It's like, well, why show you burning them? Yeah. It's a great moment. It's like a show of solidarity, throwing down the swords, burning the tunics, but then you can't have them still have them later on. You can't have a spare tunic, no. You're not going to have a spare tunic. Forget the tunic, a sword. 
I think you might have a spare sword because really? because it's the times. You know that that's it's the difference between life and death. Special musketeer handle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It, it actually, so it's bollocks. Yeah. Okay, well that's a shame. Um, so there's a failed assassination attempt here. The cardinal then captures Louis and the queen. This romance subplot is cute, but it's, I mean, it's one of I mean, this is a very unrealistic film, but that's one of the most unrealistic films uh, things rather. But what's time. this? Which bit? The idea that a king and queen would be romantically involved at this time um, is unrealistic. I feel um, because it's all marriages of convenience and to it's align Austria and still like, probably. They've got to have sex, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. but I don't. Think... Oh, you mean like they wouldn't care about each other yes. emotionally? Yeah, she which... wouldn't be like, "Oh, my king." Yeah, right. And they probably would have been fine with it. It's a different framework, isn't it? It's like you've got to do certain things. It's part of your duty, as your God-given right to mm. rule and all the rest of it. It's also um... well, fucking Walt Disney movie, so <laughs> you know. Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, you don't want a scene where Louis and the Queen are having miserable empty <laughs> sex. She's like, I have to do this for Austria or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Mike. They King. probably didn't talk. They probably didn't say anything because it would like, upset God or something. The thing I got obsessed with when I was reading... The- <laughs> I know nothing about religion. But I'll have a go. I'll have a, I'll have a quick go. They didn't speak because of God. Yeah, because all I know about... English history comes from Hilary Mantel and Wolf Hall. And that's all, I mean, that's a lot to know, but it's about one very specific time frame. And so Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn had been at it for years, but he, she was really good at oral sex or something. And he used to freak out about it because he thought he was wasting his seed. So then when it came to, they had to be married in order for their child. He had kids all over the place. He had a boy with her sister, but that wasn't good enough because they weren't married. And he really liked her. He liked Saucy Mary, she's called in the book. It's really good, obviously. Um, but yeah, so the, all they did was oral sex all the time, and he was freaking out about it. So by the time they were married, he thought he was spent. That's why he couldn't he couldn't bounce a boy into her. That's the phrase from the book, which is awesome. <laughs> wow, I know she's so good. Uh, anyway, where are we? That was a journey. I like <laughs> <I'm> that. <sorry. laughs> where are we? Because anyway, so. Uh, anyway, Aramis tries to blow on to the cardinal about answering to God. Thankfully, the cardinal blows the motherfucker away, kind of, uh, because the Bible saves him or his cross saves him his or something. cross, yeah. So anyway, let's get to the duel because that's the important bit. And I do think the father stuff could have been a bit more um, explored, a bit more of a sort of, let's give it his Star Wars weight kind of thing. But Rochefort and D'Artagnan get their <gasps> duel. What you want? You want Captain Rochefort to be his father? I think I just would have liked a bit a bit more explicit dialogue that they are sorting this dad stuff out. I think it's quite good writing that when Rochefort first meets D'Artagnan and explains to the cardinal who he is, he touches his eye. Yeah, yeah. he goes, he gave me this. He gave me this. But it isn't, it's not like, I don't think D'Artagnan notices. No, he doesn't. So that's a bit of a shame. But that's because it's safe for the reveal at this point where he goes, I, I'm going to take the sword from the boy who's yeah. father, right? The, the same man. Basically, you need that moment where he reveals, because D'Artagnan doesn't know until that point, yeah. until the final duel, that he's fighting the man who killed his father. Yeah. Which you is killed good. my father! <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, but then Julie Delpy turns up and she gives D'Artagnan the advantage by putting, like, does she nudge the sword towards him or she gives him a weapon or something? Yeah, so I think. I think she should throw it, really. I think that that's your fucking hero moment where she goes across the staircase and just throws Catch. it and he catches it. But he, she doesn't. She just sort of goes. That's, you're right. And then it spins in the light and it yeah, glints. That's what you want. Yeah. And then it's you a, hear the music. Yeah. Give it over. And then he catches it and he runs him yeah, through. But he doesn't. It just sort of slides into shot and you're like, that's wasted. Yeah. Stephen so, Herrick. So he runs Rushworth through. This works. Because 
I mean, I don't love Chris O'Donnell in this film, but the thing is, he's a nice guy. He's made friends. Julie Delpy has turned up to help him because she loves him. You know, that all ties in. That all works. Yeah. I mean, she loves him after meeting him once when he beat up two men. And that's it. That's their only meeting until this point. Remember yeah. where she says to the Queen, I love him. Yeah. I she's really like, oh, I'm so him. excited for you. Yeah. And she's like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Milky Bath chat. Oh my God, babes. I'm so excited for you right now. It's just like, it's going to be like this in the future when there are public toilets and girls talk about their feelings in them. <laughs> we're in the bathroom and we're talking about feelings. <laughs> we do. Yep. We do. It's yeah. not a myth. It's not, not a myth, I swear not. to God, I swear down. Um, I've said it before, that um, that massive Weatherspoons in Manchester is awesome. The bathrooms are amazing. <laughs> I've spent so much time in there just chatting. Oh, so I thought you went in a cubicle just listening. <laughs> no. Why are they talking about I get involved. I know you don't think that. I know you think I don't get on with women, but I do <laughs> get on with two or three very <laughs> special women. <laughs> anyway. It's all you need. So, uh, meanwhile, the king punches the cardinal to death in a river, the end. Does he, though? This I is don't my know. question. I suppose because they wanted a sequel. I think it? so. Yeah. But even so, it's a big problem. We'll talk about it later. I mean, that's all I've got because then the song started up and I'd forgotten about the song and I absolutely hate this song. So, I hate this song as well. It's a, a bullshit song. Brian Adams is phoning it in. It's like, where's the fight? Do you want to 16 say, weeks at number one, yeah, Brian, for Prince it. of Thieves. What? Are you half arsing it for our movie? Or just have a holiday. Like, you don't need it. I tell you why I don't like it because the, the saying is Sting. all for one and one for all, and they go all for love, and it's the other way around, and you, you're expecting them to go. It just you you wait and see it all for one, one and one for all one for love and love for all yeah something like that whatever so they go all for love yeah. and something else and it it doesn't track and I can never escape tantric sex sting so whenever I hear sting singing about love I'm like yeah but thirteen hours is I mean I yeah because that was a big joke wasn't it when we were little like oh, I didn't know it was thing. a joke no as in people made jokes about it like right, you know yeah. stand ups and people on the telly and at, I was like oh whatever that is I had no idea but when you think about it now if that's really true. Wouldn't you like to be able to do that a bit? No. I just, my thing is... Get in, I, get out. I don't want to eat in bed, but obviously right. for 13 hours, like if you're con- if it's constant, like yeah. you're having like power snacks, like a power bar. So what, if you're on top and then you're yeah, eating you know, a power like when, bar and the crumbs are going into like their mouth. Jelly babies. But you know, people who train for the marathon said they well, eat jelly babies. Well, now you said marathon. I'm just thinking like... Snickers. You know, well, I'm just thinking how the little poo that slipped out of... Uh, <laughs> That's, what was her name? That's Paula, Paula Radcliffe. Radcliffe. That's weird that you would go there. Why? Because that's not what I think about. Like she's a she's a professional athlete. She did what <laughs> did what it takes. Uh, would you though? Would you? I mean, I wouldn't no. because I shouldn't be running the race <laughs> in the first place. That's enough of an excuse for me to bow I've done out. it in a diver's costume. It's taken me two days. <laughs> when you pull me out of here, I don't want anyone around because the bottom half is literally full. Yeah, it's a mess down there. But I have finished the race. That's the important thing. And no one thought I would. And it was for charity. <laughs> All right. I did it for charity. Don't smell that. Don't smell the soup. Burn it. You can't burn metal. Metal it down. <laughs> I'm finished now. I'm done. Um, one final problem. Uh, very, very clearly, as dictated at the start, in words, by the script, said by Julie Delpy, ladies in waiting cannot be engaged True. to musketeers. Yes. Uh, I just need the king to go. And I've undone that rule. Yeah, I Because you're kissing now in front of the king and breaking a cardinal rule. Yeah. No pun intended of this society. Yeah. And so I... They yeah. must have cut it out because it would take two seconds. And mm. you're right. You're right. You're right. All right then. 
All right, shall we do the bits then? Of course. Uh, what was your best scene? The coach chase where Oliver Platt brings up some uh, champagne and goes, champagne, we're in the middle of a chase. You're right, something red. It is very good. I like it when Tim Curry throws some pigeons in the air and then sort of glows after them and says, all for one and more for me, which I really like. <laughs> but I actually like um, D'Artagnan killing Rochefort, not because of Chris O'Donnell, but because Michael Wincott being stabbed is always <laughs> is a good death. So it's in The Crow. Isn't that how he dies in Robin Hood? Yeah, probably. Probably. So I've always liked to see that. So that's why it's my favourite. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Rickman runs him through. Yeah. In that. Uh, yeah. Tim Curry, again, makes the most. Because that's not like an amazingly funny line, but you're like, oh, what yeah. a line. So the much going on in the eyes. He and delivers it. And when he goes, love is wasted on the young. Yeah. It's and he's just throwing pigeons in the air, which is not a very dastardly thing to do. No. Um, your most valuable whatever. I have never had such a tough decision to make. Mm. I don't think in the history of Clash Pod yeah. for this section, because you know mm. my love for Tim Curry, you also know I do very much like Oliver Platt. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? So it's Curry versus Platt. Mm. And it's so hard to choose. And honestly, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's Oliver Platt for me. It's Oliver Platt. He just nudges it because there are some proper laugh out loud moments and he is helped by the script. His his jokes are funnier than Tim Curry's. He actually has jokes for yeah. a start. So yeah, I'm going with Oliver Platt. I think this is why the film was such a treat say. when we were little because I remember walking out of the cinema and doing, you know, running and I'm like, oh, and what was my favourite bit and who was my favourite person? And he was like, I can't decide, I can't decide between Oliver Platt and Tim Curry. And it was like, what a brilliant, fun experience that was. Like they got it so right. Yep. Um, I want to give it to well I want to give it to Michael Wincott but I can't uh, because Tim Curry's just just nudges it I know. okay that makes me feel better he is amazing without Chris here it's that's fine that's 50-50 that's yeah. a 50-50 split but all three of them I mean I know that I, my Michael Wincott thing is a bit disproportionate but Oliver Platt deserves it as much as Tim Curry mm. so that's good that we can both choose love it uh, what would you change uh, I'd probably I have a problem with the sniper who's there to take out the king because it's quite a pivotal role. And Dog Tanya has his most exciting fight with him on mm. the roof of the building. And I just wonder whether that could be the start of the Michael Wincott fight. And Michael Wincott, like he's still got his sniper's eye, even though he's got an eye patch. That's his other skill. He's yeah. a brilliant sniper and he should be the sniper and their fight should start up there. And Porthos shouldn't save. Michael Wincott should escape. And then they save D'Artagnan. And then they have the fight later. I just, I, you know, agree I, I know you. you're a fan of collapsing Collapse characters. Those characters. I Collapse just the shit out of it. Either that or tell me a bit more about the sniper. Like he's there throughout. Like he's the, the other guy. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit too much of that. Like Milady uh, de Winter's uh, like henchmen seem like sort of kind of iconic looking henchmen. And then they're sort of introduced and dispatched too quickly. Uh, so that or you can't. Disney or not, you cannot end a movie by punching a guy into a lake. <laughs> like he has been the villain throughout. He's been predatory with the queen. Yeah. And like, if you're gonna punch him into the lake, he is obsessed with gold and he's got this gold armor and he sinks to the bottom. Or oh, okay. you know he's nice. gonna sink to the bottom because of his obsession with money and gold yeah. and he's so loaded down. Like the uh, like the priest, like the priest robbing the Prince of Thieves yep. who falls out of the window because of all his gold. I was gold. just going to say, what if he <laughs> yeah. knows the jig is up and so he fills his pockets with all his gold? Mm. We've seen that before. We've seen that uh, in the movie that is this movie. Um, but I just, I, I think if you're going for a sequel, then have him arrested and have him stripped of all his grandeur and everything and thrown into his own Bastille or yep. chained up in his own underground prison. Yep. But something that sort of goes, he got his comeuppance. Yep. Not, 
is he just floated out of shot? Is yeah. he swum to shore? <laughs> What's yeah. going on? It's not enough of a an exit for your big bad. I agree. Mine is very silly, but I think when Athos and Sabine are talking, he's like, I can't save you because you murdered people. And she's like, you fucking murdered loads of people. She doesn't say that. I think there should be a moment, it adds to the film, where they do run away together for like five minutes. He's like, God, you're right. Like, what am I doing? Like, why am I condemning you to death? I've been looking for you my whole life. And here you are. You've done some bad shit. I've done some bad shit. Let's forget about it. They run off. They start a farm in Brittany. Oh, so, no, they don't. But there's a moment of temptation where he runs off with her and it's going to work and then it doesn't work and then he, you know, then she still has a jumping off the cliff thing. Oh, they set up a plan. Oh, they set up a plan together. Right. Whereby he's picked the cliff and there's a bouncy castle at the bottom. Right. And when she jumps off, he stops <laughs> her being beheaded. She jumps off, lands on the bouncy castle and then in an epilogue, you see them on a farm together. That's nice. In Brittany, in Brittany. or wherever. Somewhere in, in France, mm. maybe. Doesn't matter. Just outside of La Rochelle. <laughs> For instance. Perhaps near Rouen. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. They are close. Mm. <laughs> That's it. All right then. So that is The Three Musketeers from 1993. Done. It is time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Right then, uh, Chris's choices this week. Chris isn't here. Uh, do you want to go first, Victoria? Sure. I'm not going to mess around. I think it's pretty obvious. So it's the Three Musketeers, no contest. But let me tell you for why. Okay. So it's daft, but it knows what it is. And I do have the fug of nostalgia, and we shouldn't do that. And I know there's like 12-year-old self-talking, but to be to be an adult... It is a film that hits those coveted four quadrants and that is what they set out to do. So, you you know, how can you not enjoy it? It's got action. It's got a love story. It's got Chris O'Donnell for the youngsters. It's got the Kiefer Sutherland and Milady thing going on for the oldsters and Oliver Platt and Tim Curry for the laughs. It's filmmaking a little bit by numbers because they're like, we want to get those four quadrants. But when they do, it's so amazing. As in, they set out to do exactly what they, you know, they did what they set out to do, is what I mean to say. And you get a little bit of history and a little bit of politics and a lot of swashbuckling. Like it, In terms of what they wanted, they've made a perfect film for me. So it has to win. So I think Young Guns is just a bit patchy. Fair enough. So that is one for the three musketeers from Victoria. I have this from Chris. Uh, needed prompting, which is unusual. I was like, hey, Chris, recording this afternoon. Are you voting? To which he replied, yo. <laughs> Not a word that sits comfortably (laughs) on his lips, even in message form. Yo, can't remember Musketeers, so Young Guns, I guess. Someone's on fucking holiday. I don't think he's seen the Three Musketeers. He was so dismissive of it the other week. Well, he's gone for Young Guns. So that's one apiece right now. Great. Jeopardy! Jeopardy has returned to the show. It's the Three Musketeers from me. Uh, Yeah, I mean, just like... I don't have much to say. I just prefer the script, characters, tone, story, action, humour and performances a lot more in this film. Just those few things. Yeah. Uh, then I did Young Guns. I didn't really like Young Guns. <laughs> I'll kept yeah. that hidden. Yeah. <laughs> kept that hidden until now. Uh, right then. That is a winner declared. It is the Three Musketeers. Hooray. I let us know what you think. There will be a poll online and Chris, I'm sure, will be for the first time interested in the poll's results mm. and not as dismissive of it as he is when I mention it because I don't like the result. But he might not care either. He's on holiday. Right then, let's look ahead to next week. Uh, your choices, Victoria. Reminders, first of all, of the clue you gave on Monday? Monday. The clue was 
I will always take a bullet for you apart from that one time I didn't. And I like that clue because the films are... Uh, Chris is going to do The Bodyguard and you're going to do In the Line of Fire. Yeah, we are. (laughs) It is The Bodyguard versus In the Line of Fire. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen The Bodyguard. You're in for such a treat. I mean, I've seen in the line of fire, and I like that. And a yeah. lot of people tell me the bodyguard's quite good. It is, of course, it is. Right, it's going to be a very hard decision for me personally. Okay, yeah. okay. So that is your pairing, and a good pairing it is from Victoria, the bodyguard uh, from 1992, available on Amazon. In the line of fire from 1993, available on Amazon. Did you know that? No, sorry, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, I didn't. Right. Apologies. I never uh, do that bit. I'm sorry. They're all over the place. I check everywhere uh, for them if you have a free service or not a free service, but if you've got Netflix or Sky, Chris is going mad right now. If you've got Netflix or Sky, <laughs> you, uh, you could maybe check those. I just don't want to point you in the direction of Amazon if you've got a service where it's already on and you get it for free. You know how it works. So, <laughs> Bodyguard versus In the Line of Fire. Have I said that, Chris? Come on, can we get out of here? Yes, sure. Sorry, sorry. Uh, if you haven't, Please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Don't forget, November the 11th is our live show. Inhale too quickly in London. Stoke Newington at the loading bar. Tickets on eventbrite.co.uk. Search for Clash of the Titles. All the details are there. Back on Monday, talking the bodyguard. Bye-bye. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 